This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Good morning, everyone. It is 9.37 a.m. and I'm joined. Uh, this is, of course, the SNM show. I'm joined by Julian Ng. And uh, today we've got a very special guest, James Hay, the founder of the Pangolin Fund, um, the value-based uh, and Asian-focused, uh, ASEAN-focused uh, uh, fund management firm. Now, a bit of background on James. Uh, you came out uh, more than two decades ago, James, uh, out of London. You wanted to broker uh, Europe-Asia, and you wanted specifically to be in Malaysia. I think your boss suggested Singapore at first, but then you said, no, that's not Asia. Malaysia was it. And you've been <laughs> here ever since. You've been here longer than, in fact, all Malaysia's teenagers. Uh, so you know a bit to uh, one or two things about Malaysia. Uh, I want to start the discussion in terms of your outlook, in terms of uh, the ASEAN market. When you got laid off from your fund management firm in 1998, you took out all your savings and your EPF. You had EPF in those days, and you put them all into the share market. And that's how you got your start, because obviously, when the markets rebounded, uh, you made enough to start your own fund management firm. Um, yes, good morning. Um, yes, I, I moved to Malaysia in 1993 from London. Um, as you said, I wanted to live in, in Asia. I didn't consider Singapore to be Asian enough. I wanted the, the so, so, I came, so, so I came to Malaysia. Um, and I had five very good years broking. I was, I was pretty much the first Matt Saleh on the phone back to institutions in London. And I spent a lot of time visiting companies. Um, I remember that, James, because uh, at the time I was with the fund management house and you started broking to us as well. And we went to Penang and that was uh, such a memorable trip because you came out in your Hawaiian shirt and, and took us around and, and seeing companies at the time. I'm sure it was batik, really. <laughs> <laughs> but there we go. But, but yeah, visiting companies is always something I've enjoyed and, and I think that's how you get your edge. Um, the more companies you see, the more you learn. Um, I had five good years as a broker. I was made redundant in 1998 in the financial crisis, really just at the time um, that the market was at its lowest. And I was able to withdraw my EPF and find all the other money I could and buy some shares in Malaysia. I didn't buy the market, I bought good companies. I remember buying Nestle on a P of about eight, yielding about 12%. And you also, you also bought a, put a lot of money in the public bank. Um, you actually think public bank is one of the best, if not the best bank in the world. Uh, uh, NPLs of 0.7%, uh, uh, cost to income ratio of 30% or something. Um, good yields uh, and predictable income. Yeah, um, we, we, we did a, a study on it last year. Um, public Bank listed at about the same time as Berkshire Hathaway, um, and we compared the returns. And actually, in, in local currency terms, this, we wrote this in May or June last year, um, Public Bank has outperformed Berkshire Hathaway over, uh, uh, since 1966 or 67. But, but as that, that is, that yeah. is so interesting. Yeah. I mean, Fascinating, how, how come uh, Tae Hong Piao is not as rich as, uh, well, he's, he's certainly filthy rich, but he's not as rich as Warren Buffett. But of course, uh, they're, they're operating in the United States and on a much larger scale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but, but he's, he's still a pretty rich guy. By yeah. I mean, he is Malaysia's Warren Buffett. And if you go to the Public Bank Annual General Meeting, and you hear, it's, it's a bit like the Berkshire Hathaway thing. There are 5,000 people there. It's like, a, stone, it's like a Stones concert, isn't it? Yeah. But, you know, fund managers love to say this because past performance is no indication of future performance. No. Can public bank do this for the next 30 years, do you think? Well, you always have to keep an eye on companies and to see what's changing. I think past performance is a very good indicator of what's going to happen in the future. If, if the process is in place, if the management is in place, if the discipline's in place, in the case of public bank, it's about lending and getting repaid. Um, then there's no reason why it shouldn't. But you always have to keep an eye on things. There, there is a succession issue with public bank as well. Um, and it's one of two remaining uh, so-called Chinese banks. And you know, I'm just wondering who is the next guy who's going to be carried on a chariot into an annual dinner <laughs> with all these models surrounding him or, or her. 
Yeah, well, we'll have to wait and see. All I, all I would say is that, that the management that I know at Public Bank, and we know that I know them pretty well, I've been seeing the company for 20-something for years, um, are, are very good people. Um, and there's a discipline and a process there, and it's perhaps better than having a son taking over. Okay, so um, let's let's zoom out a little bit, James. Um, what happens? What what's what's going on right now? Uh, is a lot of concern in the market that well, Malaysia and ASEAN is going to get hit when if uh, Janet Yellen raises rates, uh, and people reckon that this is not the place to be. Obviously, there's there's no confidence in Malaysia. We've had a aviation disasters in 2014 we've got a whole bunch of disasters in 2015 you know nobody wants to buy Malaysia at all it's shunned like a pariah uh, but you happen to have the contrarian view you think you've told investors in your October newsletter that when no eyeballs are on, a, are on a place this is the perfect place for a stock picker so 2016 does that make your job easier um, if markets fall my job becomes very easy because good companies become cheap and very investable so so yes you're right um, in terms of getting paid uh, we do slightly better when markets are going up. But in, but in terms of investing, um, yes, markets falling um, is always an opportunity. Now, I'm not convinced markets are going to fall very much in Asia. They might, um, but we are buying very cheaply. Malaysia's, there are some very good companies in Malaysia. I don't, I don't like to talk about the market, but specifically, there are very well-run businesses trading in Malaysia, which if they were listed anywhere else would, 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 would trade at um, twice the PE multiples or however, however else you want to. So, so some so some um, legacy holding. I'm not sure whether you still hold them. Yeah. Uh, the biscuit maker Hub Singh, family run. You, you used to own them. I think you made a bit of money off them. Uh, I think Padini, which is um, also you, you know legacy, you know government maker. Uh, tell tell us about the thinking behind those companies. Um, Hub Singh was interesting uh, because I knew I knew the product. I went to see another food company and I didn't like it very much. But they told they they had a matrix of um, comparing all the all the similar businesses. And I saw Hup Seng was yielding 8%. This was a few years ago now. So I went down to, down to see them. I did a uh, factory visit in Batu Bahat, went around the, um, the, the plant and everything else. Just realized that this was a very strong business with a very strong brand. It's something that you know, Malaysians think of cream crackers. Um, they think of Hup Seng and it's, it's the number one brand. We made a lot of money out of that. We, we sold it and it did so well that we sold it. We bought it on seven or eight times earnings. We sold it on 20 something times mm -hmm. earnings. Um, but we held it for probably four or five years. Um, Padini, oh, and everybody knows Padini, all the ladies know Vinci, um, they have very strong brands. It is a net cash business. It doesn't make anything. It's not a garment maker. It's a retailer and a designer. Um, now, the competition is coming from overseas with H&M, Uniqlo, Zara, etc. But there's always competition. Um, can Padini respond to the competition? Well, if you look at the last set of results they have, they're winning. It was hard for them. Consumer spending's bad. Um, tourism's down at the moment. But they are still doing very well. And it's yielding around about 6 or 7%. It's a very strong business. But, you know, companies are hubsing. I look at it right now. There's absolutely no shares being traded on hubsing. And you've got to, as a fund manager, have some kind of liquidity in your portfolio. So, how, so you've got to buy the public banks to, to kind of even out the, the liquidity profile? Yeah. I mean, the people pay a premium for liquidity. Now, in, in our fund, we own two large cap businesses. One is Dairy Farm and one is Public Bank. Um, now, Dairy Farm hasn't done us any favours, again, exposed to the, um, the, the Asian consumer, though we continue to buy, buy more of it. Owning big, li big liquid stocks gives us the opportunity to go and buy very, very small companies indeed. Um, and, and, and that's what we do. That's where we make our money. Um, we've recently sold a company, which continues to go up after we sold it, called Po Huat, which you might know of. It's a furniture maker in Moi. We own that for about three years. Um, we've just about sold all of our holdings there. When we first saw it, the market cap was $17 million. The PE was three. 
the asset backing was, was multiple of, of, of the share price. Um, I said to my colleague, it's too small. He said, you have to go and see it. So I went to see it. I said, if we can only buy $100 worth of shares in this company, it's worth it because it's that cheap. It ended up becoming 7% of the fund. The market cap got to about it's 90-something million dollars or so now. We've sold it. They've, they've, had a, they've had a split and a warrants issue. I'm not sure why they've really had a warrants issue. It's a very good business. It, um, an exporter um, is not normally the kind of thing we buy. But we normally buy companies um, focused on the Asian consumer, but it was so cheap we had no, no option but to buy it. Um, but very happily took the profit too. Okay, it is 9.48 in the morning and I'm uh, Ku Chong and I'm joined by Julian Ng. We have uh, James Hay, the founder of the Pangolin Fund with us this morning. Now, James, last we left it, you talked about how you sold out of Pohat Resources. Now, for a, fund, for, for, for a stock picker, um, the decision to sell a stock is just as important, probably not more important, than buying the stock. Now, people believe that the dollar is going to keep going up against the ringgit and uh, exports are only going to increase into the region. Then what drove you to, buy, to sell Pohat? Yeah, well, if the dollar keeps going up, I'll probably regret selling Pohuat. Um, I just think it was fully valued for, for the type of business that it is. It's a fairly small business. It's an exporter. It's fairly volatile. Um, it is a very good company, but, it, but, it, but we can also, I think we can invest cheaper in more sustainable businesses. I think uh, this raises the question of um, how sturdy your emotions are during the volatile times as we've experienced for a good part of this year. So how do you, how do you carry on? Uh, do, I mean, do you respond to the kind of turbulence that's happening out there? I think, I think when, when markets fall, I'm more like Tigger. And when they go up, I'm more like Eel. I'm really <laughs> excited when things are cheap. But that, then if that, That's what I do. I go and see cheap companies. Do you hold cash like. at all? Because... If you don't hold cash and uh, when the market falls, what do you do then? Uh, we, we go down. We go down. Um, the, the fund goes down. We, we are long-term investors um, in emerging markets. The value of the fund is going to go up and down with the market. We hope, and we have so far, we hope we'll outperform. And uh, uh, what do you do? Um, my, my train of thought has just, uh, <laughs> has just left me. But well, I want to raise the fact, uh, James, that uh, you and your team of three more uh, visit something in the region of 600 companies, 600 companies a year. That's uh, around about 150 each or three a week, roughly, give or take. Mm-hmm. Um, when you talk to managers, uh, when you talk to CEOs and the, and the board of directors or what, the management team, what is the one or two things that you most want to look out for? Um, I think where we're different is we talk to people about their businesses. We don't have any CFAs. We don't ask all about margins, same store sales growth, that kind of thing. If somebody makes furniture, they tend to be passionate about furniture. Talk to them about that. Know their product. Um, if you go and see Padini, wear their clothes, that, that kind of thing. What you're looking out for, you're looking out for, for managements who are obsessed with the share price. Um, that, 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 that's a key issue. Looking at what's happened in the past, it, I think, is a fairly good indicator of of what might happen in the future. Companies which stuffed you or stuffed minority shareholders back in, say, 1998 in the financial crisis are possibly going to do that kind of thing again. So we're looking for excellent corporate governance. So you're actually investing with uh, the business person, and that brings me back to, uh, to this question. You're very long-term. How long-term do you hold, how long do you hold your stocks for? Well, ideally, we're going to hold our companies for a long time. Um, we like to own businesses which have net cash, but we like a very high return on invested capital. Um, net cash um, effectively saves the business. If you look at, look at the case of Padini, two, two annual general meetings ago, the chairman um, was asked, um, or, or the managing director was asked, would they make more money 
in, in, in the coming year? And he said, no, but we've got cash. We've been through this before. We can get the best sites in the best malls when our, our other companies, which, which are not doing well, which have got debt, can't. So we can still build for the future when the recovery comes. That's how business people think. We like to try and think on the same time scale as they do, but we have to try and find investors who can think like that too which is rare. Does it matter to you that a company makes less money this year, this year than last year? Ideally, they'd always make more. But, <laughs> but, but there's a reality in business that some years are better than others. I've got to put you on the spot here because um, you, know, you, talk about, you talked a lot about public bank, but Maybank, okay, it's been hit down considerably the last few. I just, you just made a scowl. I'll just report that. Okay? Um, but in the last six or seven years, they've made more money that year than the previous year. They're currently trading about 11 times uh, earnings. And they've got quite a nice yield of about seven odd eight percent. Would you would you buy a GLC? Would you buy a, a, a GLC if they were cheap? And and why not, James? Um, I, I would never buy a government linked company. Um, if you took Maybank out of Malaysia and put it somewhere else, how would it get on? And May, Maybank's a very good bank. I bank with Maybank. I get a fantastic service from Maybank. Um, but actually, as we all know, it's a government bank. It gets a lot of deposits from the government, gets a lot of business from the government. Um, it, it does it pretty well. It does, does a much better job than, than some. But, it, but if you took, uh, with any business, I like to think that if you took it out of the country it was in, would it still be able to operate? I'm not sure that's the case with any GLC because, because they get so much from the government. Mm -hmm. And uh, that, that highlights uh, how competitive the private sector is, is. And I suppose you go out there and look for the most competitive, innovative stocks. Uh, but you also have got, uh, you make big bets. Uh, you have very uh, big stock concentration, uh, a lot of money in very few stocks. Is that like uh, putting a lot of your eggs in just a few baskets? Yeah, I'm a complete believer in that. So we, we've only ever owned 51 companies in 11 years. We've got about 20 at the moment. We've got about 40% of the fund or just over in, 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 in five companies. Our job is research job. We spend our time researching, researching, researching. That means reading everything we can, visiting companies, going to supermarkets, seeing what's on the shelves, seeing, seeing where your product is on the shelf. If, if it's at the bottom, no one's buying it, or if it's in the middle in, in, in people's eyes. And occasionally, we make a decision to buy something. Yep. Um, your biggest holding right now, James, is premium marketing. Yeah. I think it's a Thai company. It's a Thai, Thai company. company. They make, they make um, fish, snacks fish snacks for people, not for fish, but snacks <laughs> 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 made for people from fish, right? Yeah. Why? <laughs> well, they make them, or why do I own them? Um, <laughs> no, why they is it They make them because people like them. We, th this company, its brand is called Taro. It has 70% of the market share of the, of, of the fish snack business in, in, in Thailand. We discovered that we've owned this, I don't know, for six, seven years now. Um, when we found it, the PE was eight. Um, sorry, PE was five. Yield was about eight percent or so. I think the yield's still about seven percent. The PE is about twelve or thirteen now. Very high return on invested capital. Um, as people get richer, um, they, 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 they they shop in places like Seven Eleven. They walk in and they buy snacks. They they grab a packet off the shelves. Um, Have it's you? A very strong brand. How does it taste? Have you tasted it? Yeah, delicious. <laughs> delicious. I mean, they're fine. My kids love them as well. And whenever I go marketing in the States, because people aren't familiar with this taste, or, or in Europe, I take packets and I say, eat them. And, and generally, the Asians, you know, the Asian fund managers living in the States go, have you got any more? Uh, the Westerners <laughs> go, mm, I'm not sure, but there we go. Well, James, uh, the time's run out. We, we've, we've got time for one more thing, which is your favorite song. You've made a big lament that BFM doesn't play enough Rolling Stones. So we're going we're gonna to take it out uh, of the SNM show with your with your favorite Stone song, uh, thank you for coming on air with us. Uh, great pleasure chatting as usual. Very insightful and uh, yeah, thanks thanks James for being on on air with us. That's a pleasure. And please play more Stones. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so to take it all home, Honky Tonk Woman by the Rolling Stones, BFM eighty nine point nine.
Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.